For this episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast, I was sitting on the lands of the Wadarung people. Tomo, he was on the lands of the Wiradjuri people. And Mick, he was on Kamilaroi country. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Number two for 2023. And I'll tell you, I'm a little bit excited. Not just because these two blokes, I guess we could say they're interesting and maybe partially funny, but they're also going to start hosting a monthly segment on our In The Know On The Go podcast. So if you haven't subscribed to it, check it out via the link in our show notes or search In The Know On The Go podcast. There's been some dynamic duos in history and these two, I reckon they could be Aussie agriculture's answer. Maybe like a bit of Maverick and Goose, Hamish and Andy with a footy reference which these two would probably love, Gregan and Larkham or potentially maybe the comedy duo of Roy and HG. Mick Corcoran and Tom Rookyard are two former esteemed colleagues as they'd say. They have a love of sport, agriculture, rural Australia and having a yarn. And I'll give it to them, they are actually pretty bloody funny as well. In this chat we find out a little bit more about these two fellas, their journey to coming together, working at Auctions Plus, their interest in agriculture, and we do a bit of in-episode trivia as well to get to know each other, and they might have even put me on the spot as well. As I said, these guys are going to start hosting a monthly segment called The Monthly Markets with Tom and Mick on our In The Know, On The Go podcast. It's out this Friday, cuts out of the bag, and let's get to know it. Well, I reckon we'll just shoot from the hip a little bit here, but... Two esteemed former colleagues who have a lot, a real love of rural Australia, agriculture, uh, aspiring sportsmen, maybe not so much for you, Mick, anymore, but fellas, welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Ollie. Yeah, Brent Tate still made it through, mate, so I think I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, people are probably wondering who the voices are, if people are familiar with a show that you guys had. I think you were like nearly the original agriculture YouTubers here in Australia, so Tom Rookyard, Mick Corcoran. Mick, I think you need to start off with explaining your attire. The shirt and the hat's one thing, but you've got an extra accessory. Yeah, mate. I've got my um I've got my permanent pig collar on for the next two to three months. I um a few of the boys and I we bucked a few Bronx out over the holidays and you know, I just landed on my head and uh, and fractured my neck and back. So hence the um <laughs> the extra support, yeah. I think it's called agent syndrome. It's just too many yeses and that kind of thing. He's just not used to it. The next not used to it yet. You'll come good. <laughs> bit of a Dale Brisby vibe over there. That's right. Yeah, we're in for a bit of an agent bashing session, are we, Tom? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what we can do. God, you haven't changed, have you? Um, what actually happened, though? You jumped into a pool. No, I, yeah, I jumped head first into the shallow pool. Gee whiz. Trying to show off or something or literally just trying to cool off? No, mate, just trying to cool off and, and I just summed it up and let rip and just got it a bit wrong, a bit out of shape, yeah. Jeez, the other side of 30, it's amazing what could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not what we used to be, Ollie, yeah. No. That's what they say. And what about you, Truk? Quiet Christmas for you? Uh, very quiet, rolled my ankle, but, you know, outside of that, I'm, I'm back on the up. Um, no pre-season footy, that's done, so it's just, you know, 39 weeks to get winning fit, really. How do you roll your ankle line? Uh, the dog dug a hole in the backyard and I didn't see it. So, uh, yeah. You had a fall, you know, they say that. When you start having falls, you're in a bit of 
Stroke. What's down? Which which dog was it? Kenny. <laughs> Kenny, mind it, my dog. Oh, no, not not the other fluffy dog. No, not the little fluff going on. No. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. In my head, Tom, I had that you might have been playing that spike ball, which seems to be all the trend, but no, it wasn't a sporting injury. No, no, I'm, you know, full-time gardener these days, just, just held a leather in the backyard and, uh, yeah, didn't see a real hole and had a fall on his key. Yeah, which is not good at my age, so it's like, I'll be right, back on the out. <laughs> and we're into the new year. Well, we've actually got a bit of a trend because last year we had Streety on as our final episode. Then we had Fanny Lumsden go live last week. Uh, she's actually ex auctions plus market operator. Did you guys know that? No, 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 no. It was just as the singing career was kicking off, and she thinks she spent one scream was on auctions plus work, the other scream was on finding gigs and whatnot. <laughs> there you go. Is that pre or post us? Must have been ice. Or I can pray. Pray. Mm. Pray. You were there from the start, weren't you, Tom? Mate? No, no, you're not at all, mate. Not at all. Good from you, Dave. Funny, funny. <laughs> so for our, our audience to understand a little bit more about you blokes, when you were at Auctions Plus, you started the Tom and Mick show. So I think you'll have maybe a loyal listener base and fan base, which will come out of the woodwork here. But in terms of your background, Tomo, whereabouts did you grow up and how did you actually get involved in HAG? Uh, I, I grew up in Berrima uh, on a little 100-acre property out of uh, just out, out of Bell. My old man's a wool buyer. He's a commission buyer, heads to the wool auctions every week and um, and, and does that. So his sort of view was that we need to be close to Sydney for his job, but, we would, you know, he didn't want us growing up in Sydney. So, yeah, mum and dad bought a little block there. Um, I, I've never been sort of put, pushed into ag by any means. Like, mum and dad were always Sydney. Dad's from a property at Dunny Doo. Mum's from northwest New South Wales out at Baradine. Um, so they sort of always had... Uh, in their blood, I guess you'd say. Um, but no, at oh, I went to uni, still not knowing any idea of what I'd do. You know, as as you go up to uni, and then uh, I sort of had a bit of a real light bulb moment. I did an assignment early days on the Australian wheat board and understanding, you know, um, bribes and getting the markets going and all that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, this is pretty bloody interesting. So then I started doing all my assignments on ag and. Uh, and then I just, I, I finished uni, I was, I was working for William Ingalls, the horse auctioneers, and I was sort of quite interested in that, and then auction plus popped up, and um, yeah, I started I mean, in about 2013. Yeah, that's sort of how, how I got into aid, no, you know, a bit like myself, just fell, you know, fell into an accident, but that's, that's a bit of my life anyway, yeah. <laughs> a common theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what about for yourself, Mick? I um I am from Glenness in northern New South Wales. Um, grew up, mum and dad ran their own stock and station agency. So dad's a stock agent and mum's a real estate agent. You know, from the, for the best part of my youth. Um, went away to you know did my schooling and I went to university in Brizzy and then I did a season up north for a contract mustering team. I suppose is the real commencement of why four eight into ag. Um, and then went and did a bit of live export for Wellards. Um, and then did a, bit, did a bit of travel and then met my wife now, Tara. Um, she was living in Sydney, so I moved to Sydney um, and did a couple of sales roles and then fell into auctions bus, really. Yeah, there was a role going and I'd actually met Tom, you know, sort of preceding that. And, you know, he said he'd line me up with a gig at, sure enough, um, didn't actually get the job. 
you'd know it. Washington, <laughs> they long gave the job to L. Uh, anyway, Anisphere called up a week later offering me another job that had another resignation. There's obviously a bit of a turnstile going through the business at that time, um, which left me in a bit of a power position to negotiate a bit of extra pay, which didn't work out when I got the job. <laughs> it all balances out in the end. Yeah. And so did you two hit it off straight away when you were in the doors? We, we'd met, um, I think we'd played a bit of football together, colleagues, and then met through friends. I think Mick worked with my housemate as a guard, gardener for a little bit. And then, um, but I think we should touch on Mick's interview with Options Plus. I had to do a topic on um, something you're really interested in. And so people were coming in and they were talking, you know, someone talked about Angus, uh, Angus cattle and someone talked about the cropping industry, but no, Nick did it on Conor McGregor. So, uh, as you do, he spoke to Conor McGregor for about 15 minutes. Rins was he sitting there going, right, that's pretty good. Sam, and it was good. It was good to be fair. I don't know where it was starting when it was the first start. I went kind of like this, but you know, it was good. So what, what was the, the thought process behind that, Mick? Mate, it was, it was Conor McGregor's ability to market himself and, and build a brand, which I thought would have been really, really relevant for Optorox's pump, but just over Tom Rookyard's and Anna Spears' head, um, Anna lied and said that she was a big fan of Conor McGregor that ended up that she had no idea who he was. He's only a global superstar. Um, but my thinking was, you know, you get in there and someone like Anna Spears, you know, lived up in the north for six years. You can't really preach to them about the northern production system um so i'd go a bit different and it didn't work uh but anyway <laughs> well it was memorable what was your takeaway from it tommy oh i enjoyed it because everyone else had done the same old boring stuff i actually really enjoyed it because it was a topic tell us about a topic you're interested in and everyone was like ag 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 and then here comes someone who's pretty confidently going to stand up and talk about ufc and you know this bloke's brand and how he built his i don't know if he had his whiskey at that point but like yeah, I actually thought it was pretty interesting because we'd sat through four or five others that weren't, you know, relatively boring. But anyway. Um, sure enough, it doesn't get you the job. So anyway. <laughs> that was for other reasons. Overqualified. I'm I'm interested. I want to jump into this a little bit because um, one thing, well, we've done a few different surveys at different times of our audience. And like, particularly, I'd say we've got a quite a large listenership and followership um, through our community with people who are entry-level roles and kind of mid-level and management. And I think you two come at it from a really interesting point of view of um, a growing business, young crew. You'd see a lot of people when you're at Auctions Plus coming in for their first day on the job. And kind of more recently, we did a survey which showed that nearly half of people had changed jobs in the last 12 months and another quarter of people are looking to change, actively change in the next 12. So um, on that piece of going in for a job interview, you guys have sat on both sides having changed roles in the last few years, but kind of advice, observations, things that you think have worked either for yourself or that you've sat there and seen work for other people to make that impression. Well, will you run with this from Corker? I'll take yeah. it into once. Thanks, Ty. Um, it's a good question and wasn't on your notes that you didn't notice, but <laughs> by... Um... I quite like people, you know, I was really drawn to people's honesty, I suppose, and which is something that I took took away from, you know, interviewing people and trying to steal my own. I mean, it can be a, you know, 
it can work against you in some instances, but I, I think, you know, from some of the people that we hired, they were genuine, you know, genuine, honest people. And that's what really appealed to me, you know, and particularly when we're, you know, not just bus going down the path of hiring the right person as, you know, from the person that they were, not necessarily their skill set and being able to build on it. So that was probably a pretty important one to me. Tom? Thanks, Mick. Uh, no, I think pretty similar to what Mick said, like, the bulk of people we were looking at hiring were graduates um, and whether, you know, if not the first job, you know, within the first sort of 12 months of their working career. And I think I found it, it's, it's, it's the person, making the person sure they'll fit your current team was really important um, because everyone had some sort of varying level of um, skills, whether it was in ag or not, that, you know, wasn't the, the main goal. It was making sure it fit within. Uh, like, as you would know, it was quite a really, it was a really good culture at Auction Spots. Um, and so, yeah, making sure those people fit in there is always, you know, pretty key from my mind. And for you guys, because then you had to go and exercise it yourself when you actually left, I'd love to know what was the instigator and why were you guys actually looking for that career change and what was like, a, I think, a really interesting time where the business had got to a point, but then within, I'll say, what felt like a matter of months, the two of you kind of went in your own directions. Oh, oh, from uh, Mick, you went first. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, I'll I'll kick off. I suppose from my perspective, I loved Optimus Spice, and that was probably where I really got my confidence in a, in a workspace, I suppose. Like I really found my seat and really enjoyed the people I was with and, and they really gave me enough rope to, to hang myself, I suppose, for a better word, which I really enjoyed. Um, but... I was looking for, you know, more production and experience um, within within ag um, to really understand different production systems. So that I didn't feel like I was getting that at Oxens Plus. Um, and also, Oxens Plus is a really unique business that it's, you know, it's a it's a customer service and a tech platform, um, which you know you've got management skills that transfer into other other parts of the industry but i suppose i was looking to round myself out a bit more so that's why that was the reason uh, and i was keen to move back to move back to the bush side so, you know a few of those reasons was why why i jumped ship yeah and tom because i think we saw mick move to orange and then uh all of a sudden it was tom's moving to orange as well was it just separation anxiety or something or a bit weird good not the way around couldn't quite let it go <laughs> I moved first, then Mick moved about six months later. I was like, oh, what's this Orange Town like? And I'm like, no, it's pretty good, mate. Um, <laughs> now, I, I moved out to Orange with Options Plus um, and it's about 12 months out here with Options Plus. But I was saying as Mick, it was a pretty exciting place to work. And, you know, if you had an idea and you're like, I'm going to try and, you know, we're going to have auctions for camels. It was a it was an open place that you could put together a business case and have a crack at that sort of thing, uh, which was pretty fun. I was... Um, I started to get eager to look out at different sort of different ideas on, on how you can deal with customers at a one-on-one -on -one basis and really consistently. Um, and the, I've always sort of been somewhat num numbers orientated and people started mentioning banking and, and I think Mick was probably in the very same position. Um, Streety was great for this because he could sense that, um, I don't know, I guess he was probably similar to Mick, but he could sense that I was starting to look elsewhere and things like that and we just had a really open conversation and he helped me steer in different directions and I sort of you know when I got to crunch time with the new job I, I said to him you know what do you think I sort of a couple of options and I, I put them all in front of him and he gave me a lot of help to work through it um which was good because 
it's hard to know when you, um, you know, it's a big bad world out there. Who, who knows? If you haven't done something, you're not really going to know what it's like. So it is helpful to work through that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. I was chatting to someone um, just this week about uh, they're at that stage where they're kind of ready to move that next step in their career. And they were like, oh, I actually really want to lean on my boss because I've got this relationship with them. But at the same time too, I don't want them to think oh, I've got one foot in, one foot out. And it like, it was so interesting because we were saying like, no one actually expects anyone to come into a job forever. And is it that like the goal is, okay, you come into this position, but to be honest, it's a two to three year position. And then one way they need to find you a new role within the business, or actually we need to help you find your next step kind of outside of it. But what do you reckon it is about Streety? Cause it's something which I'd love to try and emulate like from him as a manager, how is he able to create this honesty and kind of this culture where people can go up to the CEO and go, you know what? I'm actually thinking of moving. He, um, he was a real skill of his is I found. Yeah. So me anyway, was his ability to, to, to develop a relationship and really get to understand a person and what's driving them. Um, so he was and honesty again, from his end that we end up openly talk about where we wanted to end up and what we wanted to do and what we wanted to achieve. Um, so therefore it got, it was really an easy conversation because the groundwork was already built that you could walk in there and, and have that conversation. You know, like he already knew that I wanted to end up in the bush. I wanted to round out my skill set a little bit further. So it was a constant sort of conversation. Um, and he's very intuitive, so he'd probably pick up, you know, body language and how we're acting and reacting to things in the workplace. And he, he would be, keep, you know, he'd be doing a pulse check regularly. You know, we'd be catching up week on, week off. Um, felt, felt like he knew the whole time pretty well. Yeah. John? My mind was a little bit different. He, he, I think he picked up that I, I was keen very quickly. Um, and he was really open and honest. When we started talking about what I'd like to do, he was he was open and saying you know we can offer that or we can't offer that and so that and then was like you know we we're trying to sell with a dream saying stay you can do this like um which i think just that the guys like that bring pretty genuine in terms of adds a small space that you you know we're going to breathe just because someone's leaving or, or because you're leaving it, it's never going to work like it's, it's too small of an industry so i think that's yeah we're where where I sort of pick up from Australia, yeah. It, it seems strange for a manager's point of view to be opening the door for you to leave, but I think mean, the benefit to him is that, you know, he got a longer window to recruit, uh, you know, so he knew we were up to, he's already putting feelers out. <laughs> he already had a feel for, we wanted to replace our roles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's bloody interesting, hey? And it's something which, thing as I'm trying to build my team, it's like, how, <laughs> how do you create that in a growing team? And just, yeah, not try and recreate Angus Street 2.0, but it is like those little things that he did, literally, which makes it approachable and kind of makes the business tick, but also the person be kind of their best version of themselves as well. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. 
but we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. I want to do a bit of a turn, but one question, which I've been asked a few times, which kind of throws me a little bit, but I'd love to know, each of each of you, you you love agriculture and everything about it. Why aren't you guys farmers? There are on crack this one. I don't think I've got the skill set to be a farmer. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of being able to understand, you know, what your livestock, you know, animals need, what your paddocks need to be able to get them that, um, that that's not where I'm struggling. Um, I quite enjoy um, sitting through a balance sheet and working out what a business is doing or going through a proper loss and that sort of thing. Um, so I don't think anything can't be learned, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, more interested in looking at 50 businesses over, um, you know, six months than looking at three or one business or two business. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. Cool, Steve. <laughs> um, mate, it's a good question. It's, you know, something that I, you know, if I was honest with myself, probably wanted to be for a long time. And I think I got to a point where I'm, you know, Consciously, or subconsciously, made a decision that I can either go down the path and you know work on on farm and you know work my way through the ranks and you know manage people's property, so I could go out and buy my own and do it myself. Um, and I took the latter uh, without realizing how hard it is to make millions of dollars. So hence, here we are. But that that was always that was always the dream. Uh, whether we get there or not, we'll get yeah, won't see. Oh, hence this, uh, which I guess we'll, we'll start to get towards is this little segment, which we're going to do with you guys. And I guess that's where the, the farm comes from, <laughs> but, um, let's get to know you two a little bit better for our audience. And Mick, I'm going to take your question, which I think you're going to ask a few guests. What breed of bull or ram would you be? That's a good one from you, Ollie. Uh, <laughs> the only notes we've got. <laughs> I would, I'd also like to answer what my opinion is of, of Tom as well. Um, but mate, I, I'd probably be a, um, probably be a Kimberly Shorthorn, I reckon. I, um, you probably can't see with the hat, but I throw a bit of red, uh, uh, and I've got a pretty ordinary frame on me. Um, but we just had our first baby girl, so somewhat fertile. So that would, <laughs> that would be what I'd be. Um, and as for Tomo, Tomo would be a pure blood. Uh, Wagyu, Wagyu bull, I reckon. He's not a full blood, so he's not 100% bred. Um, big chest on him, no ass. I reckon he'd marble pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad for you, really. Yeah, saving that one in the chamber, haven't we? Yeah, you happy with that? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> That's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll own a crack. Um, I'll start with Mick. Mick could be uh, Texel Wren. For those of that know, Texel was very, very popular in the early 90s, the, the really the next big thing. They got no neck on it, so that sort of works quite well, really. Um, but they have somewhat fallen out of favour, saying so not too dissimilar to Mick. And, you know, they will attack dogs, things like that. So I'd say Mick's a bit of a te- Texel ram uh, myself. I don't know, I'll get one of those uh, probably Scottish Highland cattle. I like the cold weather. 
you know, a little bit woolly, um, and people like me in their front paddock. You know, don't do much work, but I'm just there for the looks. So that's that's probably me. Mate, you're a meat seat for sure. <laughs> nah, nah. Well, look at your top lip. Your ball's horrendous. <laughs> Not bad. What micron would you do to this? <laughs> I wouldn't give you a micron that bad. <laughs> How long have you been growing it for, Tom? Uh, since November 2019, I reckon. Gee whiz. Just... You know, if you grow them for long enough, your top lip disappears. Well, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Um, no, it's good. It's good. I actually got, like, at my interview with ANZ, I got uh, my now current boss really was like, what's going on here? You're not ridiculous. Uh, but then I think he didn't realise that this was me uh, full time. And he's, oh, no, but I do like moustaches. So, yeah, anyway. The, the joke's on him, mate. Yeah, that's right. I've kept it. So, yeah. what about yours, Mick? Yours doesn't look that good. What's going on? Uh, mine's, mine's, mine's pretty fresh, Tom. Just whipped it up, whipped it up this week. Yeah. A bit hard to shave over the um over the top of that neck brace. With your mate, my mo. Oh, jeez, it's just non-existent. I think I try and do it each year in November. I just look stupid. So we'll just we'll just keep on trying for a good cause. But outside of that, I think I'll let it go. Fair enough. Big question. If every job paid the same, what would you be? If your job paid the same, retired. <laughs> that about sticking up, I reckon. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know what. I'm, uh, don't know. Probably coach the Wallabies. I'd be right. Okay, I can do that. Do you reckon? It's a shame they lady just brought in a new coach, what, a few couple of months out from the next big game but anyway nah it, it's 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 the way forward yeah i don't know what i'd do i'd all that that's a good question no mm. but that's to come back to you on that one ollie what would you what would you do jeez oh well, i'd say this one doesn't really pay much so i'd probably just keep doing this i guess <laughs> no this is uh i think what i'm doing now is pretty good so chatting to people it's not too bad um two truths and a lie and uh let's th maybe if you guys have something pre-prepared or yeah we'll, we'll have to call out what the lie is uh oh i'll back i I've, uh, i thought this might be coming um nick might and i think he might not um so we'll see so my two truths and a lie as as a as a child we had a pet uh wombat they used to live in the house and run around and feed it milk and things like that um also, as a you know, young teenager, early teenage years, I was uh, state ranked for chess in New South Wales. Um, and my other, my last one is that I've broken my neck as a as a young, yeah, young tongue workout running around on the football field. I broke my neck. And yeah, I don't know. Mick might know a couple of them. So, uh, but, yeah. I nearly feel like you um you gave it away with that last one where you were about to say my one lie is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Are we right? Is it um, you? You didn't break your neck. Okay, what do you reckon? I oh, don't. No, uh, you, mate, you've never played chess in your life. What do you reckon, boys? Nah, hang on. I'm going chess. It is. It is the chess one. Uh, but I compulsively play on my chess. Like I, I, I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mainly during the work day. Or nah, and are out night. You know, you're knocked off having a beer. Just. Just chilling. I'll, I'll play, you know, we'll we'll go on my chest and get my skills right up there. But no, I was never never good. 
but yeah, we had a pet one over as kids and, uh, and yeah, when I was young, I had like a hairline fracture in my neck. So yeah. Yeah. Gee whiz. Never, never thought to give the game away then, mate. No, no. I mean, 20 years later, split my head open. That, that sort of did it, but yeah. Nah. Why would you give it away just because of that? Right. Just a bit of cosmetic, uh, cosmetic damage, nothing. That's right. Cool. <laughs> what do you got for us? Um, when I was, when I was 13, I took out the biggest pumpkin award of the Glen and the Shite. Pretty proud moment. Um, I used to be pretty handy on the piano as a kid. And in 2013, um, came second at the Catherine Buck jump at the show. You can't grow up pumpkin stitch. No, I reckon that's, that's fair income. <laughs> I'd say the back jumps, I reckon it was third in, in the back jump, not second. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. No, I can't. I haven't got a pumpkin, boys. <laughs> a bit of piano playing around week. Yeah. Hey, mate. What have you got for us all? Oh, actually, I haven't got prepared on this. I'll have to come back to you on that one. Uh, it was circle like, back. Circle back to him. You're not getting out of it. <laughs> Jeez, I'm going to have to. It's as just like. As if you weren't thinking about it while we were doing it. So you'd have a couple running around up there. Oh, God, well, I thought the first thing that came to mind was like, oh, I should say I've won the lotto or something, but that's a stupid one. Um, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to have to come back to you on this one. We'll circle back to you. You've got me stumped. Now, the real reason we thought we'd get you on, we've got a pretty exciting little segment. Last year, we launched our In The Know, On The Go podcast. The whole essence of it is to get people across the things that matter in ways that are bloody easy to understand. So... Fair old compliment I'd say to you guys that uh, you're in touch with the common man and hopefully people can understand what you're talking about in easy to understand ways. Um, what can we expect from you guys? I guess I'll, you know, kick this one off. After seeing her in an hour on the go, I think you sort of put out late last year, I think it was September or October maybe last year, asking for topics and what people wanted. And I don't know, something I've always thought of and, and would like. Yeah, it's been something that's a really easy to access regular market update, um, which is something I've chatted to you about. And yeah, hence how we started to um, talk a little bit more and then chatting to Mick, talking about, yeah, monthly markets with Mick and Tom. Is that what we're going with? Triple M&T. Monthly markets with Tom and Mick, I believe. Tom and Ben. You might get the tea first. I'll be served first, will I? Well, come on, mate. Stick tea for handy. Big timers. That's right. That's true. Yeah. And so, Mick, what like what can we expect you guys to be jumping into monthly markets with Tom and Mick? Or Mick and Tom? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's probably what I'm... <laughs> Maybe we do go, Mick. It's got a better ring to it always, do you? Um, I think probably what I'm looking forward to about what we're going to be doing is is trying to cover a diverse group of people within the industry to get an update on what's actually happening on the ground um, from from a market perspective. You know, So whether that be a local agent down in Waterville, um, a feedlot or a Dolby live export up in the north, uh, talking to people that are actually in it and amongst it, um, as opposed to you know quoting market figures, which is what we're going to be doing in our in our first show um, to give us a bit of a basis where the market is and where it's going. Um, but I think that's probably what people can can look forward to. Yeah, as an encompassing yeah, a monthly, monthly show with us two, yeah, talking to people, talking to. Um, and, and that is probably, as we said, people on the ground, like it's rather than a really high level, 
um, what what's impacting things at a um, global level. A little bit closer to the home. Yeah, sort of a short 15 to 20 minute podcast and with interesting people. I think Nick's got a uh, flower person lined up to talk about the flower markets. So something he's really uh, been quite passionate in. So um, no, we're trying to have, you know, sheep, cattle, crop things throughout, um, but also tend to get a few interesting topics between lobsters and flowers and see what comes up. Well, I think the girls in my team are going to be pretty excited about that because we were throwing ideas around the other day for things and flower markets and like flower farming came up. So you've got a couple of avid listeners already. Um, and interestingly on the markets piece, word on the street this week is that out of um, Western Australia, a little rock lobster is the thing which is actually potentially opening opening the doors back into China um, and trade negotiations because they just had a Chinese official visit there and it's... $20 billion of trade, um, which they're, people are pretty excited about given yeah, some positive sentiment around that. So I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting segment. We're excited to hear what you guys have in store for us. And that'll be launching the 27th of Jan. We'll be going live. 27. Most people will be working that day, no doubt. Wish the public holiday the day before. So yeah, it'll be a good day to launch. <laughs> now, I think on the market predictions, is there... Any particular markets that you guys want to jump into now and give your expert analysis? And then I guess what we can do is, if it is incredibly wrong, I guess that's why you guys are the ones doing the interviewing and not the commentary. But where do you think the Eki at the moment, I think, was it 784 cents or thereabouts at the moment? Or have I got my numbers wrong? Look, I think you got your numbers wrong, but it's there, thereabouts. <laughs> where is it at the moment? Dom, where is it? Mate, Mick, I'll let you run this one. You're a little the agent. <laughs> I think it, I think it was at seven sixty eight, seven sixty eight yesterday. Um, I if you're looking for our prediction for the year, yeah, where's it going to be? Come the last last week of December. Last week of December, um, I reckon it's going to be at six ninety two. Talks to you thinking you're somewhat pessimistic, Tom. Yeah, fair enough. Lots of cattle coming in after flooding. There's stock numbers. Everyone's restocked. That sort of view is what you figured. Well, I just, I just think we've got that many numbers around us that I, I just think it'll continue to steadily drop. Is my, is my, mate? Yeah. What did you go? Seven sixty nine. Six. Six ninety two. I'll go six ninety one. Just, just to take out everything. And why, why do you, why do you think that, mate? I, I, I do agree with you. There's numbers and chatting to people would, would appear that a lot of people that had been buying cattle. There's, there's a lot of cattle about now. Everyone's been breeding up. That that sort of has slowed a little bit. Um, is is my pure sitting on the sidelines. Um, but as always said, we're not the ones being interviewed. We're the hosts. So, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason we're just putting... Our opinions somewhat don't matter. <laughs> exactly. One other one which will probably get a lot of spotlight. It's not quite agricultural, but... Median house prices in, let's do regional Australia. Median house price as of the start of Jan was 577616 Where do we think it's going to be? Last week, December? Yeah. 550 Well, I'm going with mine. I think that the the rural residential markets are much more solid than a city market um, with less fluctuations. So I think we probably haven't seen, you know, it has been good growth in the bush. You'd probably have the numbers. It might not have been as as big a growth as what we've 
probably seen in Sydney, um, but I think it should hold pretty firm, um, you know. And whether that's a cultural thing too of, of people in the bush being a little bit more conservative um, and probably not needing to be as stretched as well, whereas I think the bigger fall will be in the, in the city areas, which we've already seen and probably will continue to do so in Sydney, um, purely off the fact that I think that people are just over, more over-leveraged in the city. I love it. Well, I think we've got, there's one question left and I think I better come back to my two truths and the like because I've been sitting on it. So, are you guys ready for it? Yeah, me. Uh, righto. Um, I once, as a little tacker, I reckon sub 10, once featured in a gymnastic video for a women's gym. Um, as a kid, I was a mad mountain biker and was once second in Australia. And... I've got a background in journalism and media. You're a rubbish mountain biker. Uh, no, I reckon you would. In my, uh, obviously, coming to Australia, what was this? The Australian mountain biking tournament, was it? <laughs> uh, it was the, what was it? it was like the national series. And um, I'll, I'll explain more after, after you guys have a pick. I'm going to the mountain biking. Is the lie. It's yeah, the lie. Yeah, no, it's the journalism and media that's the lie. Um, I, <laughs> as a... Bloody qualified, then that's good. <laughs> as a 12-year-old, um, I, yeah, was competing in the under-15s, and I reckon there was only about 10 people, and it was a six-part series, and I very fortunately had my parents take me to most of the races, which meant that, just through participation, ended up ranked tight. <laughs> That's nobody can't. Yeah. Nobody questioned you in the gymnastics video. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a given for me. <laughs> yep. Now that was Mum's gym. So, <laughs> one last one, uh, which is a question we ask everyone who comes on the podcast, and we've got some really interesting answers from it. But you get the chance to go and chat to your ten students. Why would you tell them that they should think about pursuing a career in agriculture? Oh, oh, correct. Uh, I would, the way I'd describe it is it's an industry that you can literally do so many, it's, it's so broad. You can be, you know, shearing sheep, marking cattle, you can be sitting in a boardroom, you can be negotiating enormous deals. There's literally, um, it's not one size fits all. There's opportunities for everyone. Um, and clean. You know, you can go anywhere in Australia. You could literally work in Sydney and Melbourne, Brisbane, or you could go right to the part of Alice Springs and you know have a you know have have an adventure. Really, that's that's what I'd sort of uh, that's what I'd sell them. Someone in you ten. Yeah, similar to similar to Tomo. From my experience of you know, like I find uh, an adventure really. You know, like you can take yourself all over the country or all parts of it and all over the world pretty well if you want to, and see some amazing parts of Australia. You know, like only the other day I was out in between Urala and, Urala and Armidale, you know, overlooking a cliff face that was near the, the Dangar Falls, like just amazing stuff that you would never see, uh, I don't think. Um, so that'd be, so adventure would be one. Um, like Tom, I think you can do anything, you know. You can be a, an in-house lawyer, um, solicitor, accountant, uh, diesel mechanic, boilermaker, uh, stockman, CEO, 
whatever you want and, and you can traverse your way through it all to get to where you want to go um while staying in ag and then that adds up on your resume as well i think um and third one would be the be the people you come across that many diverse people and and that many characters that's probably what i get a kick out of is that the the characters that you meet um uh, sure i can very wise advice so i'm excited um to see where you guys take this i think it it should be a mix of serious and a fair bit of fun getting you two behind the microphone so thanks for coming on for a yarn this morning it's fantastic to i think start start the wednesday with a, a bloody good laugh so thanks fellas thanks ollie thanks mate cheers thanks so much Well, that's it for another week. I hope that you guys all enjoyed that chat. I certainly did. I think starting your Wednesday, absolutely laughing your head off, smiling is a pretty good way to start the week. So hopefully, as you've plugged in wherever you are listening to the Humans of Agriculture podcast, you're able to have a bit of a laugh, find these two blokes quite interesting, and maybe learn something new as well. So I'd love to know your feedback. If you haven't, we've put together a couple of cartoons on them. So putting some faces to names... They're pretty accurate as well. They're not bad. Anyway, look after yourselves. Stay safe. Stay sane. And if you haven't, reach out to a friend and say good day. Catch up on how they're going. See you next week.